0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Dittman, Liverpool, United Kingdom. Web address mercurialspirit.co.uk. From October to Brest-Litovsk by Leon Trotsky CHAPTER 15. THE DECISIVE DAY At the dawn of the 25th, a man and a woman, employed in the party's printing office, came to Shmolny and informed us that the government had closed the official journal of our body and the New Gazette of the Petrograd Soviet. The printing office was sealed by some agent of the government. The Military Revolutionary Committee immediately recalled the orders and took both publications under its protection, enjoining upon the gallant Walensky Regiment the great honour of securing the Free Socialist Press against counter-revolutionary attempts. The printing after that went on without interruption, and both publications appeared on time. The government was still in session at the Winter Palace, but it was no more than its own shadow as a political power it no longer existed on the twenty fifth of october the winter palace was gradually surrounded by our troops from all sides at one o'clock in the afternoon i declared at the session of the petrograd soviet in the name of the military revolutionary committee that the government of Kerinsky had ceased to exist and that forthwith and until the All-Russian Convention of the Soviets might decide otherwise, the power was to pass into the hands of the Military Revolutionary Committee. A few days earlier, Lenin left Finland and was hiding in the outskirts of the city, in the working men's quarters. On the evening of the 25th, he came secretly to the Shmolnyi. According to newspaper information, it seemed to him that the issue would be a temporary compromise between ourselves and the Kerensky government. The bourgeois press had so often clamoured about the approach of the revolution, about the demonstration of armed soldiers on the street, about pillaging and unavoidable streams of blood, that now this press failed to notice the revolution which was really taking place, and accepted the negotiations of the general staff with us at their face value. Meanwhile, without any chaos, without street fights, without firing or bloodshed, the government institutions were occupied one after another by severe and disciplined detachments of soldiers, sailors and Red Guards, in accordance with the exact telephone orders given from the small room on the third floor of the Smolny Institute. In the evening, a preliminary session of the All-Russian Convention of Soviets was held in the name of the central executive committee dan presented a report he presented an indictment of the rebellious usurpers and insurgents and attempted to frighten the convention with a vision of the inevitable failure of the insurrection which he claimed would be suppressed by the forces from the front His address sounded unconvincing and out of place within the walls of a hall where the overwhelming majority of the delegates were enthusiastically observing the victorious advance of the Petrograd revolution. By this time, the Winter Palace was surrounded, but it was not yet taken. From time to time, there were shots from the windows upon the besiegers, who were closing in slowly and cautiously. From the Petropavlovsk Fortress... Two or three shells from cannons were directed at the palace. Their thunder was heard at the Schmolny. Martov spoke with helpless indignation from the platform of the convention about civil war and especially about the siege of the Winter Palace, where among the ministers there were, oh horror, members of the Mensheviki party. The sailors who came to bring information from the battle place around the palace took the floor against him. They reminded the accusers of the offensive of the 18th of June, of the treacherous policy of the old government, of the re-establishment of the death penalty for soldiers, of the annihilation of the revolutionary organisation, and wound up by vowing to win or die. They also brought word of the first victims from our ranks in the battle before the palace. All arose as if at an unseen signal and, with a unanimity which could be created only by a high moral inspiration, sang the funeral march. He who lived through that moment will never forget it. The session was interrupted. It was impossible to deliberate theoretically the question of the means of reconstructing the government among the echoes of the fighting and shooting under the walls of the Winter Palace, where the fate of that very government was being decided in a practical way. The taking of the palace, however, was rather slow, and this caused hesitation among the less determined elements of the convention. The orators of the right wing prophesied our near-destruction, All anxiously awaited news from the arena of the palace. Presently, Antonov appeared, who directed the operations against the palace. A death-like silence fell upon the hall. The Winter Palace was taken. Kerensky had fled, other ministers had been arrested and consigned to the fortress of Petropavlovsk. The first chapter of the October Revolution was over. The right revolutionists and the Mensheviki, altogether 60 men, that is about one-tenth of the convention, left the session in protest. As there was nothing else left to them, they placed the entire responsibility for the coming events upon the Bolsheviki and the left SRs. The latter were passing through moments of indecision. The past tied them strongly to the party of Chernov. The right wing of this party swerved to the middle and petty bourgeois elements, to the intellectuals of the middle classes, to the well-to-do elements of the villages, and on all decisive questions went hand in hand with the liberal bourgeoisie against us. The more revolutionary elements of the party, reflecting the radicalism of the social demands of the poorest masses of the peasantry, gravitated to the proletariat and their party. They feared, however, to sever the umbilical cord which linked them to their old party. When we left the preliminary parliament, they refused to follow us and warned us against adventurers. But the insurrection put before them the dilemma of taking sides for or against the Soviets. Not without hesitation, they assembled on our side of the barricades. Chapter fifteen.